Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. verses here down through verse number five. We'll begin with verse one. Read down through verse number five. I'll give you my title and then we'll come back to that maybe hopefully in the end. Joshua three and one. The Bible says, and Joshua rose early in the morning and they removed from Shatim and came to Jordan. He and all his, all the children of Israel and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host, or they went through the camp. And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priest, the Levites, bearing it, then shall you remove from your place and go after it, the covenant of the Lord. I mean, the ark of the covenant, or the spirit of God. When you see that moving, you get up and you go after it. There shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which you must go, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And so if we could just kind of put this succinctly together. Joshua rose early in the morning, and men that were in charge, walked through the camp. They were making an announcement to the masses of people. Amen. They commanded them, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, when you see the Levites, when you see them bearing the Spirit of God, get up and you follow after it because we're going to a place we've never been before. We have not passed heretofore. And so we're going to go this way and we're going to walk after the Lord. And it says, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And I want to preach, if I may take for a title tonight from this subject, there is a mantle falling. There is a mantle falling. I know sometimes our language can get a little bit loose and uh, we can hear a lot of catchphrases about maybe somebody speaking a word into our life. That's a phrase you kind of hear often or we might hear the word revival often. We might even hear the word mantles often. But I don't want familiarity to breed contempt in our heart. Amen. I do believe there are mantles. There is a mantle falling. Amen. May God bless you. Let's let's join together in prayer. Lord, I love you. Thank you for the privilege to be here. I thank you for the power of your word. And I just ask you tonight, God, that you would anoint my lips and my mind, a vessel to just convey the truths, God, that have already been established They've already been written, recorded as your spirit moved on holy men of old. And so I just ask you tonight to help me deliver the word and help us as a body to receive the word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And God bless you. 
Amen. Long before email and cell phones and a lot of things that we know uh, that are just so customary to us today and all kind of technologies that supposedly enhance and advance our lives, and I do think they do. But uh, long before those things have been established and long before the conveniences that we understand, a man by the name of Henry J. Ellsworth, as he was resigning his position as a U.S. patent officer, he assured the public of that day that it would be okay for him to resign as the the head of the patent office. It would be okay for him to resign his position there. He assured the public that his resignation should cause no public alarm because he said mankind has already achieved all which is capable. And so there will be no more inventions requiring patents. And so if this information is accurate, Mr. Elworth made that statement in 1844 and so we have made it to the end we have exhausted all means and so we can just accept my resignation and we'll move forward everything that could possibly be invented has been invented now there is some debate as to whether or not he really said that some credit him with saying other things my point is this there's a lot of people whether they say it or not they feel like we have arrived and this is it and there is no need for me to push press or pray or stretch myself any further because everything that can be discovered has already been discovered. Or in other words, we could just say to mankind, it's okay to stop right here. And we can just set up house and we can set our lives around what we know today. But I believe that if we could get back and if that statement really is true, if we could get back and whisper in his ear, we would just say, sir, you stopped way too soon. You stop believing. You stop believing way ahead of time. And uh, I don't want to form that mindset in my natural life, and I don't want to form that mindset certainly in my spiritual life, that I think everything that we have or could discover in him, and I'm not talking about new bizarre revelations, I'm just talking about dimensions of God that we could both experience and live out in our own lives. I, I want, if if. I don't want to think that we have come to the end. I know in my spirit there's a yearning. There is something that presses me on to another day. Joshua and the children of Israel in our text had arrived at the edge of Jordan's river and Joshua gave the command to set up tent. But we should also know what he went on to say. He did admonish them to set up camp, but he said we're gonna set up camp here on this side of Jordan, but he went on to say, until we pass over to the other side. So in other words, Joshua was saying, we're here, but we're just here now. And we're here, but we're just here for this season because God didn't lead us to come to this side of Jordan, but he promised to take us to the other side of Jordan because it's on the other side of Jordan where the promised land exists. For 40 years, they had wandered in the wilderness and for 40 years, it had been 40 years since they were at the Red Sea. And during the past 40 years, they, were, they had experienced many miraculous things. They were fed by manna every day. I don't know about you, that story just never gets old to me to think that God says, you know, what you need for the day, just get that for the day. Now that took a lot of faith. 
to walk away and to leave something there. But he said, if you, if you, if you take it, it's just gonna rot. It will just wither away. I've got to prove something to you. I don't know how strong the pull to take more must have been the first few days, weeks, or months. But in time, they realized that God that was here today will be here tomorrow. I don't need to clutter the cabinets. I don't need to clutter anything in my life because what God said was true. And then on the sixth day, he said, take what you're gonna need for two days because I'm gonna allow that seventh day to be a day of rest. And so during that year, they were fed miraculously by the manna. Water followed them. That's what the scripture says. They were fed with quail from heaven. During the past 40 years, they were led during the day by a cloud and at night, there was a cloud of fire. It was the same, this same group of people had been in powerful moments and seasons with God. They had experienced some incredible things. This same group of people had experienced supernatural visitations of the hand of God. When they got to the waters of Merah that were bitter, the Lord said to Moses to cut down a branch and lay it in the water and the water became sweet or it, be, it became something that would sustain them instead of kill them. They had watched God over and over and over again do miraculous things. These people had heard and they had been blessed by anointed teaching and they had been led by the greatest leader of their day. They had witnessed miracle after miracle after miracle. And I think the same could be said for you and I. We have witnessed powerful presence and visitations of God's anointing. I'm gonna tell you that there's many, if not most of us here tonight, amen, to think about the seasons and the times that God has done some things in our life that would just simply uh, almost be unbelievable if you were to try to share some of that and tell that, especially if somebody wasn't a believer, they would have a hard time understanding how God has just moved and intervened. And so we have witnessed the powerful presence of God again and again, humbly. I can say that tonight, even in this service, just a few moments ago as the service began to, 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 begin, to begin to start with the songs and the praise and the worship, the hand of God was right here, the presence of God. And I wanna, I wanna underline it. I'm humbly saying what I'm saying. But you know what? That is very common. We come here and the presence of God is so rich and real. Sunday, last Wednesday, and last week, and last month, and last year, and everything we've been through, such a powerful presence of the Lord just meets us and reminds us that I am the Lord your God and I am in your midst. Amen. We are indeed living in the fulfillment of Joel 2. And so we can read about Joel 2 and we don't have to scratch our head. We don't have to try to wrap our mind around what Joel must have been feeling or thinking as he uh, began to prophesy the words. Amen, we have witnessed God pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Amen, we have witnessed the power of God moving in the minds of the educated and the uneducated. We've watched the spirit and the power of God move in every demographic of life as his spirit began to move. We have lived, we have lived to see his 
Spirit poured out on sons and daughters and the power of God mightily using both men and women, old and young alike. Amen. We are witnessing the words of Joel. I believe in this modern day church, the church itself is standing once again at another brink of Jordan. In our text, Joshua and his men were walking through the camp. Maybe they're making sure everybody's getting ready to pass on to the other side. Maybe there's just a reminder. Their very presence perhaps was a reminder. Don't get too comfortable because this is just where we're camping. This is not where we're living. Amen. Maybe they noticed the weariness of the Israelites driving their tent stakes down again. It was another night, another day of setting up, another day of preparing, another night of getting the campfire built. But those men in their presence walking through the camp was a reminder. This world right here is not our home. This is not where it all ends, but we're going to pass on over to the other side of Jordan. Amen. I'm going to tell you tonight, I believe that in pulpits all across America, around the world, amen, many of them meeting as we as we do in our culture very commonly on Wednesday night, there's the spirit of the messenger that is going through the camp tonight. There are pastors and ministers and evangelists and missionaries all across our nation and around our fellowship that's walking through the camp. And it's just a reminder. It is a visual reminder that this is not where we're camping. This is not where we're living. This is only where we're camping. I'm thankful tonight for the power of God. I'm thankful for his presence that's in this place this evening. But I just want to tell you, as much as I love where we are, I don't want you to think this is where it all ends and we have reached the zenith or we are at the pinnacle or the apex of what God has. And can I be specific? What God has for the church but what God has for this church and so I just want to remind you tonight before you get too comfortable don't be setting up everything out of you don't unpack it all amen don't unpack everything because this world is not our home we're just passing through it is on very, very rare, very rare occasions that my wife and I, as we're traveling, even take anything really out of our suitcase. We get where we're going. We set our suitcase there. Now, you know, most places there's dresser drawers and there's all kind of, you can just lay it out. I'm not really sure who's planning on staying that long. I'm not, I'm not here. Thank you, but no thank you. Amen. Thanks, but no thanks. Because in the morning, we're just going to get up. This was just a stopping point. I thank you for a place to get in out of the heat or out of the cold. I thank you for a warm place to be, a soft bed, hopefully. I thank you for a warm shower and often I thank you for a small breakfast, but here is the central truth. We didn't come here to live. We're just passing through. And so Joshua and his men going through and ministers in pulpits tonight, this is what I'm trying to say. Don't settle in. Amen. Don't lean back. Don't rest. I believe that God wants to take us a little bit further because in the morning we're going to cross over Jordan in the morning we're going to go to the promises of where God said he would take us and so if you grow weary from the journey Joshua maybe could sense a little bit of weariness in the, in, in the, in the camp and he was admonishing people perhaps Amen. the Bible's talked about that even the saints would be weary in this day there is a spirit of weariness in this day I'm not alone in that am I there is a sense of weariness in this day we, we think everything's going to normalize and then we find out it's not going to normalize and now we're not even sure if we know how to define normal and we're not 
even sure now if normal was ever normal. There's a weariness that comes with all that. The enemy trying to wear out, wear out the very elect of God. But I just want to lean back and get a hold of the word that says that if in due season, amen, if I could just keep my wits about me, amen, if I won't faint, if I could just stay alert in due season, I'm going to reap, amen, the only requirement, I just got to stay awake. The only requirement is I just got to stay alert. The only requirement is that I just got to be about myself. And so I don't know about you this evening, but I'm planning on reaping. I'm planning on getting what God God has for me. I'm planning on reaching out and claiming the promises of the Lord. And so I got to do whatever I got to do. I got to shake myself. I got to wake myself. I've got to stir myself. Amen. Amen. I have mentioned this before. I can remember as a young man, my father was a, a truck driver my whole life. And so I can remember my father. I would always love to ride with him in the truck. He drove a, a, a cab over truck and there was what they referred to as a dog box in the, in the truck. It was just the big cover over the engine. It was kind of a little built-in seemingly shelf that was right there. And my dad would have a little ice cooler, a little, uh, a, a little cooler with water in it, ice water in it. And I've watched my dad many, many times take his handkerchief and dip it down in ice cold water and just bathe his face. He was trying to stay awake because there was somewhere he was trying to get. There was a deadline he was trying to meet. I just got to do whatever it takes. I saw. I thought that was a little strange when I was a young man. Why don't you just pull over and sleep? Why don't you just pull over and get a little bit of rest? But you see, he knew something that I didn't know that on the other ends there was a sense of expectation. Somebody wants what I'm carrying. Somebody has ordered what I have got with me. I gotta make it to the destination. I feel tonight that we just need to reach down. Amen. We need to maybe dip something into that ice cold water of a promise and bathe it over our face one more time. Help me to stay awake, Lord. Why don't we just stop? Why don't we just pull over? Why don't we just throw it in neutral? I mean, we're having good church. The spirit of the Lord is here. We're having a good time in our fellowship, but I'll say there's somebody that needs what we're carrying. There's somebody that's ordered there's somebody that's been praying for deliverance. They've been praying for God to do something in their life. They need somebody that'll be a mouthpiece that'll deliver the gospel. I'm not talking about a licensed minister. I'm talking about Holy Ghost filled and ordained saints that'll take the word of God and say, let me share something with you. Let me share something with you. Amen, amen, amen. Don't grow weary. Maybe someone thought that God was out of strength or God had brought them here right to the edge of the promise, but now God's battery is low. The promise may be been too long in coming for some, and, and we do know for a tribe and a half that was the case, that this is close enough and this is good enough. Maybe some thought they'd already seen everything that God could do, or maybe they were afraid that their best days were behind them. However, I believe the words of the Queen of Sheba when she said to Solomon the half, was not told me. I mean, I began, I'm sure the Queen of Sheba began to hear all these things about Solomon's temple and all of those that served in his temple and she began, like all humans, we begin to envision what that must look like and how that must play out. And so she already had a snapshot of this in her mind. But when she got there and she saw the manner in which they worshiped, the manner in which they served, the manner, and I'm gonna tell you, she was accustomed to, to great things. She was the queen. And so it wasn't the gold and the silver. And it, it, wasn't, it wasn't the trinkets of life that impressed her, but it was the manner of which they went about doing their service. She said the half 
has not yet been told. I want to tell you tonight that this world needs to meet people that don't think serving God is a drudgery. Amen. This is not, this didn't inconvenience me to be here tonight. This didn't inconvenience you to be here. We came in of a willing heart. We didn't come in because we were afraid of busting hell wide open. We come here because God's been so good to me. I can't tell it all. He's done more than I could ever repay him for. His anointing, his power, his presence has just been so much. Amen. I'm so thankful for the rich history and our patriarchs of old. Amen. There's almost nothing that I enjoy any more than hearing people talk about what God has done along the way. Wonderful, powerful stories. Amen. Those things are recorded in our yesterdays, but I love them. I'm so thankful for where God, everybody has a story, and so I'm thankful for where God has brought you. Amen, I appreciate what God has done, and I say that with a, with a sincere heart, but my eyes are not set on what God has done. My eyes are set on what God is doing and is going to do. Some years ago as a district, we celebrated our 60th camp meeting, and maybe you remember that, that, uh, that camp meeting season and, and, uh, and, and going through that, getting ready for that 60th anniversary, we were asking and reaching out to people that had old videos. Some of them were even before uh, there was sound and, and uh, just videos and old pictures and it was quite a treat to go back and to look before there even was the old tabernacle. There was a tent and, and uh, then the old tabernacle with no windows and it was a wonderful journey and how easy it would be to get snaps, a snapshot and get caught right there and think, oh my, this is where the power of God moved. We're in a church with a rich history and it would be easy for us to go back a few years and camp out and say, oh, this is where God did this and this is where God did that and think that God has now just somehow ran out of steam and our best days are locked there. But I'm gonna tell you that the best song is yet to be written and the best song is yet to be sang and the best sermon is yet to be revealed and the best sermon is yet to be preached. I'm going to tell you the best The best preacher is yet to be born. The best preacher is yet to walk behind the pulpit. The best leader is yet to be elected. Are you hearing me tonight? Amen. God help us to realize that our days are glorious and our days behind us are rich, but they do not contain the whole promise of God. That's just part of the promise. That's just a portion. Amen. That is just a down payment about what and on what God is wanting to do. There is a mantle falling. There is a mantle falling in this day. And I say, Almighty oh, God, I don't say it because I think I'm worthy. I don't say it because I think I deserve it. I'm saying it because I long for it. There's a mantle falling in this day. And I say, Almighty oh, God, let me run. Let me run with everything I have. Let me run with every fiber of my soul. I want to get the mantle. I want to get the mantle. Oh, praise your name. Praise your name, mighty God. Without a doubt, the church in Scripture was a powerful church. Without a doubt, the church from that time until now has been a powerful church. But Jesus said, greater things than these shall ye do. Amen. What I'm saying is just reminding us that we're camping here. We're not living here. We're camping here. We're not living here. I've quoted Brother Jerry Dean for years 
Many years ago, as a matter of fact, I believe it was even during that 60th camp meeting I referred to, he said something like this. He said, we seeing that this world is not our home, but we sure have our tent stakes driven down mighty deep for that to be true. We sing it, but we really are comfortable. And that statement resonated with me then, and it does today. And I'm afraid the only way we're ever going to see what God intends for us to see, amen, and the only way we're ever going to experience what God fully wants the church to experience is if we're willing to say, God, I am willing to move and be moved, and I'm willing to change and be changed. So the Bible says when you see the ark moving, when you see the ark moving, remove from your place and go after it because it is the most important thing in this camp. Not your tent, not your family, not whatever, you, whatever wares you've got set up. Amen. <laughs> It, that's the main thing. And so let's not drive our tent stakes too deep on this side. I want to get up and keep moving forward because that's what God wanted. For Joshua's generation coming to Jordan, coming to the Jordan River, if I could just kind of paint two pictures in your mind. For Joshua's generation coming to the edge of Jordan's River was much more comfortable than this same Essential, essentially the same group. They're coming to the Red Sea 40 years before. Both bodies of people came to bodies of water. When the children of Israel got to Jordan's River, things were much, much different. The atmosphere was completely different at Jordan's River than it was at the edge of the Red Sea. While they were at the Red Sea, Moses delivering them out, coming out of Egypt, they could see the dust of a furious Egyptian army coming after them. They could hear the cry and the rattle of the chariot's wheels. They knew death was coming. This alone caused an urgency within them. Do something, do something. The enemy was at their back. The Red Sea was in front of them. So either two things, they're gonna be taken back into slavery or they're gonna be slaughtered right where they are. There were really no other options. But you see, that wasn't the case at Jordan's River. Nobody was chasing them. There was no enemy pulling down. There was no dust coming from the back. There was no cries. There was no threat. There was really no imminent danger. They weren't pressured by enemies on either side of them. There wasn't an apparent need really to go anywhere or to do anything. And perhaps that's why some said, this is enough. Things were very comfortable. It sounds a lot like the day in which we're living. In decades past, many great preachers of Jesus' name baptism and this new birth message were not welcomed into towns and communities and cities. I'm absolutely telling you the truth, not as I perceive it or think I know it. I'm telling you the truth as I know it. Many of them, I remember many years ago sitting down, what a privileged opportunity we had to sit down with Brother James Kilgore as he began to talk about his life and ministry and talked a lot about the life of his father 
and his mother and their ministry and men like his father, Brother C.P. Kilgore, would come into town, preach the gospel, and they would be driven out of town by people of wealth and influence. I personally know of cities within this very state in which we stand where those things took place, where ministers and their wives were threatened and their lives were threatened and they were ran out of town, ran out of town. But today in 2021, it's obvious that God has blessed the church. The church is growing and expanding and there's no Egyptian army closing in on us. No apparent need to do anything or really no apparent need to press on any, any further, much further at least in our walk with God. It would be very easy to just get comfortable and stay right here. Let's just live out our time and everything is good. But Thomas Edison said discontentment and restlessness are the first necessities of progress. Somewhere, amen, I'm not talking about spiritual frustration, but somewhere there needs to be a spirit of discontentment and a spirit of unrest that says, I appreciate where you brought me from, Lord, and I appreciate where I am now, but I don't believe that you brought me here and I don't think that I've reached the end and I'm not standing the total fulfillment of the promise. Amen, I know God wants us to have revival and I know it's that God is not finished working and and I must warn you that when we press on and when we press into the purpose of God, just like the children of Israel, when they crossed over Jordan's River, it's only fair to tell you there wasn't a welcome committee waiting on them. There wasn't somebody with, with banners and a parade and the band playing and said, you know, we've been thinking about this for a long, long time. But rather they were greeted by an enemy that would stop at nothing to throw up the progress of their relationship or their promise with God. And so when the children of Israel crossed over, they were met with seven nations that were ready to send a clear message. And that message is you're not welcomed here. They weren't welcomed there, but they were promised there. And the voice of the promise was much greater than the threat of those saying not welcome. And so the Lord had given Israel a promise and so he would say to them, just keep your eyes focused on me and I'll take care of them. And that is essentially what the Lord said and did. You just stay focused on me. John said, greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. Paul reminded the church at Rome, if God is for us, then who can be against us? And I'm gonna tell you, these are not just quips and phrases when you're in the phrase of life. If God is for you, who can be against you? Amen. So we don't have to let the enemy discourage us and we don't have to allow the enemy to steal anything that God wants the church to have. And so I gotta stay focused and I gotta remember in times of weariness, I gotta remember the words of Simon Peter that reminds us that we're a part of a, of a chosen generation and a royal priesthood and a citizen of a holy nation. That's what he said. And we've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light, not to just barely survive, but to get what God would have us to, be, to have. And it wasn't just so that we could set up camp and it wasn't just so that we could reach this hour in 2021, amen, but it was so that God could just reach us, reach down to us and press us into his purpose of the here and now. And so I'm gonna get up and move and I'm gonna remove from my place and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what God is wanting us to do and I'm asking you 
to keep walking with me tonight. Amen. Some of the greatest revivals I believe are yet to be held and some of the greatest services are yet to be announced. But the only way we'll see that is if we are willing to get up and cross Jordan. You see, when, when the children of Israel crossed over Jordan, they had already witnessed incredible things. I'm not here to give an exhaustive list, but they saw things like the walls of Jericho pressed down flat. They saw 31 kings in their country subdued. They saw many things that God did for them, but God wasn't just entertaining them. This was the prelude to the promise. I'm gonna ask our musicians to come and uh, I'll come to my point here this evening. The Old Testament prophet Elijah told his son in the gospel, Elisha. Elisha was so determined <clears throat> to follow him. You may remember that Elisha went and bid his mother and father farewell. He took the plow that he was plowing with he used the wood of that plow to build a fire and the ox that was pulling that plow to offer a sacrifice to the Lord. And it was Elisha's way of saying, I'm all in. There's no going back. I bid farewell to mom and dad and I buried my career. I burned it with fire and made a sacrifice unto the Lord and I am all in. And so Elijah told him, he said, I'm going to go to Gilgal. I'm on my way to Bethel. And so Elijah said to Elisha, you stay here while I go on. But Elisha said, as the Lord liveth and as my soul liveth, I will not leave thee. Then the Bible says something interesting. And I think it should be underlined in our mind, if not in our Bible. And they too went on. Amen, the both of them. They too went on. When they arrived at Bethel, Elijah said to Elisha, I'm going to Jericho. So you just stay here and, and it's comfortable here and you'll be all right in Jericho till I get back. But Elijah said again, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And again, the Bible says, so they too went on. When they made it to Jericho, Elijah turned to his faithful follower and he said, you just stay here. You stay right here and I'm going on to Jordan. But Elisha emphatically says, I am going with you. We're in this thing. And so in essence, Elijah looks at Elisha and I'm just putting this in our language. Elisha, you've been with me from Gilgal to Bethel. You had been with me from Bethel to Jericho and from Jericho to Jordan. I just need to know what's up. What is it that you want? And it just seems as though without even clearing his voice, he said, I want a double portion of your spirit. That was a huge ask. And Elijah admitted that thou has asked a hard thing. Not something too hard for God. But I believe that another portion of that was Elijah was saying, you have no idea what this is going to do to you. It's going to press something in you. It's going to pull some things out of you. You've asked a hard thing. 
when Elijah said, so be it. And if you're with me when I'm taken away, you'll see me taken up and, and it's yours. And the Bible says, and while they were talking, a chariot of fire and a whirlwind came down and Elijah was taken up into heaven. Now, if you know the story, you're already ahead of me. And here we could think that, that it's the dreariest day of his life because the one he's been following so with such dedication has now been whisked away. But before discouragement could settle in, he saw something falling from the sky. And it was the mantle of Elijah. And Elisha walked over and took up that mantle and he cast it on the water and he said, where is the God of Elijah? And when he cast it on the water, he found out where the God of Elijah was. The God of Elijah was in his hands because the mantle was in his hands. Amen. With that, the waters divided and Elisha walked across on dry ground just like the children of Israel did. Amen. I want you to stand with me tonight. I believe the same anointing of God. I just feel tonight oppressing to tell you that the same anointing that was on these heroes of faith in the Bible, comma, and the same anointing and power that was upon our Pentecostal pioneers of the past, that same anointing is upon this generation. I believe that with all of my heart. Amen. I'm not just here beating my gums tonight. I believe with all of my heart that the anointing, and we could call them James and John, and we could call the anointing of Matthew and Luke and Simon Peter, we could call the anointing, but we could also call the anointing of names that we would recognize Amen, maybe names that have passed on to their eternal reward, but I believe the anointing of, that was upon them. Amen, God didn't bury that anointing when they were buried. God didn't silence that anointing just because their voice was silenced. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in what I'm saying here tonight. That same anointing, there's a mantle falling. And so here's what we're waiting on. God is waiting on somebody to go pick up the mantle. Now, I'm not sure what would have happened and I'm not trying to be silly or tax your patience here tonight, but I'm not sure what would have happened if Elisha had just looked and saw his coat and said, well, oh, that was a waste, all this for nothing and just turned and went home discouraged and dejected. But he recognized the mantle and something happened because he took it up. Amen, I wonder tonight if we stand right here at the banks, proverbially at the bank of the river, Amen, I wonder if we could make another landmark statement and realize that we have never passed this way heretofore. We're standing in uncharted, on, on uncharted grounds, in uncharted water. We're sailing in uncharted water. We've never passed this way before. But I'm gonna tell you, just because we've never been here before doesn't mean God is shaken or doesn't mean that God is surprised. God is just waiting for somebody to go pick up today's anointing. Amen, God is not looking for somebody to go back to 1940 and get an anointing or 1970 and get an anointing, 1990 and get an anointing. God is wondering who would among us on this September 29 night would say, I'll step out of my pew. I'll step out of the aisle. I'll come down. Amen, there is a mantle falling and God, I wanna get it. I wanna raise it up and say, Lord, where is the God of Elijah? Amen, where is the God of Brother Kilgore? Where is 
the God, hallelujah, of your grandparents? Where is the God of your mom and dad? I'm going to tell you, he's not home. Amen. He's not locked in a box. That God is not too busy. But that God is among us tonight. He is walking up and down the aisle. He is stirring our heart. I wonder if we can reach down and say, God, help me to get the mantle. And oh, God, help me to do something with it. I don't want to fold it up and put it away. But I need your anointing, almighty God, in my life. <laughs> This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.